Maddie and Roxy. And I'm Priska, and we are the Two Horny Goats. We're just two horny goats climbing the mountain of life, eating Asian American stereotypes for breakfast. Crazy and unhinged has our intro so gone. <laughs> I feel like when you go back to listen to the first one, it's like, hi, everybody, I'm Roxy. And I'm Prisca, and we're the two, two horny guts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pandemic outside, fire's falling from the sky. <laughs> but everything's fine. We're such little babies Let's back then. Let's talk about family dynamics. <laughs> no, but not to joke about our previous selves because we were great. We I know. Were the best I know. Versions. I love, I cradle her in my bosom Same. psychically. She's inside of me. She is still I've eaten my me. way around her. <laughs> <laughs> I've added on, I've packed on more cake layers yeah, around her. Just a her. couple more tire, tire circles. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Extra tire. Tire. Spare tire. tire. That is literally a Chinese way of saying it. Is it? Yeah, it's it's like, oh, we say Joseon Chen. <laughs> lifesavers, 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 lifesavers. lifesavers. <laughs> um, anyways, how y'all doing, y'all? How are you? How are you doing? We're are you, doing great over here. Where's your here. sanity? Yeah. I, mean, I lost mine so long. Ago. I feel like seriously, every episode we've had so far is like, oh my god, we're tired, we're burning out, and like we are just, you know, just Holding on, on. The, the, like the last hairs of our chinny chin chins. Chinny chin chins. Yeah, I feel like we're little Tarzans at the tip of our chinny chin chins, just <laughs> swinging, swinging from vine to vine. <laughs> and like our, our little vines are so fucking short that we just so, have to be like, yeah. how do we make it across this giant gap of space with just two inches? But all of you hair. can focus on is the vine in front of you. That's all you can worry about. That you can't worry true. about the destination. You've That's just got to swing. You got to take a leap of faith, bitch. There we go. Here, Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So, Prisca. You'll be in my heart. Prisca. Yes, sorry. Don't avoid this. You'll be in my heart. Prisca. Yes. You had a visit from your mother. I had a visit from mother. (laughs) Laughs in Menti B. Um, so just, just, just giving you guys some context when this okay. happened, yeah. Priscilla like texted me a whole essay, <laughs> like having Down. a breakdown <laughs> over text. <laughs> um, so hold on. So basically your parents had a fumigation happening at their house. They had a cute little termite sitch. Oh, cool. Yeah. Love that for them. And so they <laughs> needed to stay at my house for three days. Three days. Three days. Like that's how long Jesus was dead for. You okay. know what I'm saying? So when you <laughs> were first made a aware of this yeah. stitch um what was going through you were you be like oh it's gonna be cool like a little yeah. kid homecoming like were you excited i was yeah like i really like spending time with my family like i like like when we're on vacay like we enjoy sitting around the table we uh-huh. joke the whole time yeah. we're talking we're laughing uh-huh. like even abe is like it's weird that you guys just like enjoy each other like Aww. you know what i mean yeah like i love them yeah. but i as you guys know my mom is Miss Hypercritical. <laughs> she can't help herself. Right. And she's been super busy with all the like foreign exchange students over the past few years. Mm-hmm. They, uh, most of them have moved out of the house. Okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> um, truly. LOL. Praise. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, and the other two that are going to continue staying with her, they're in Taiwan for the summer. 
You were mine for the summer. No, but sorry. Why am I? Why am I singing? Are you okay? I don't think I'm okay. Are you nervous? I'm nervous. I feel like you're nervous. I'm, I feel like she's gonna feel this in the ether. <laughs> like I wrote a threads about it. Hashtag follow me on threads. Just kidding. Oh my god. I never no, no, no. Post. But like, really, go, I never post. go to Prisca. Like, this is the only thing she posted. This is the only thing I posted. This is the, my claim to fame. This is the be all and Not all. Not only did Alpha she send me Omega. the text, she copied and pasted the whole text on the threads. But like, literally. I posted it to threads and like there's no way my mom's gonna read it there's no way she's technologically savvy enough yeah, to get on threads yeah your first post on threads has like 60 likes yeah. and like a million responses but so. I was like so paranoid I was like she's gonna read it she's gonna read it she knows she knows she's gonna kill me but anyway <laughs> my parents came and the first thing I did when I knew they were coming was like alright I gotta like deep clean the house like it's already like pretty clean but like I just gotta make sure and all of a sudden like this existential anxiety uh -huh. just like crept over me uh -huh. and I'm having like flashbacks to being like a young girl and having my mom just come into my room and just pick it apart mm. like why is this like this why are you so messy why is the bed like this picking up little crumbs off the floor like you know just like just just nitpicking right. everything and right. I think I went back and became 14 year old Priscilla and I was freaking out in that same way and so I was cleaning the house and for me I was like I just want my parents to come and have like a I just want my parents to come and have a great experience. So they get here and within the first like 10 minutes, really the first hour, but like it just felt like 10 minutes. She criticized every, like nothing was good enough for this woman. Like nothing was good enough. Like it was like she criticized the curve of the plant. She criticized what direction my couch is facing. Oh my God. First of all, like the AC is broken in this house and I did everything I could <sighs> to make sure it was comfortable for them. Right. But she, she was just, ah, uh, it's like <laughs> the things, she was just like, oh, like, like oh, your, your house is so cool. So nice and cool. Yeah. As if just like being like, Priscilla's being dramatic. You don't actually need air conditioning. Mm -hmm. Or like the air conditioning being broken isn't that big. It's a like deal. you have to hear the note behind the note. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like it's so many conversations behind it. And I, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, I feel like a little brat again. I'm trying to set boundaries, but like you you can't really do it when your parents are in the space. Yeah, it's like you're trying to defend yourself. You yeah. Know? And then they were the ones who were the authority in your house. So then it's weird. To, you know what I mean? They come in and they kind of, like, she kind of took over the space. Oh, no. Um, but, you know, my dad, okay, to be very fair, my dad's very sweet. So he was like, this is the cleanest house. You, you did an amazing job. Yeah. I'm really proud of you and all this, you know. The yin to the yang. Yeah, the yin to the yang. But my mom was just like, just, like, I made her a cup of coffee. She's like, oh, if you opened a coffee shop, you'd go bankrupt because you're so slow. Like, it was just, just no. didn't stop. No. Yeah, she's like, why is your plant? turn that way do you always what? leave this light on why did you put this here like and also she's like kind of like she owns the house so she's like my landlord so I just feel like we were in like a locked into just like this passive aggressive battle yes. you know and she was like wow like I you really, can't really say what you want to say no yeah she's like wow I really like this house is really great because you know this furniture that I got was really great or whatever and I'm like <sighs> why do they do that I don't, I don't, she just couldn't let me do, have it. They, they like, li love to tell you like, oh, xing hao, yeah. wo bang ni. Or like, I thank goodness it. that you had me to help you with this. Exactly. And then as luck would have it, dear, dear listeners, uh -huh. dear goatees. How much worse could it get? It, it, well, <laughs> you know, there's, okay, there's moments where like your mom's being 
overreaching, overbearing, like over hypercritical and all that. And like, you know, she's just being extra. And then there's moments where things happen out of your control. And you're like, no, she had a legit reason to be annoyed of that. Right. Okay. So she, you know, I oh, no, what cleaned happened? the rooms yeah. from top to bottom, fresh sheets. Of course, she brought her own blankets because I don't know. She didn't trust it. <laughs> Um, you know, clean everything top to bottom, made sure they had fresh water upstairs, made sure, you know, like drinking yeah. water and stuff. You know how I do. Yeah, you're like B&B routine, basically. You know? Yeah. And my dad's so sweet. He's like, it's like an Airbnb here. And I'm like, oh, thanks, dad. Like, it worked really hard, you know, and I sweat through it. And then that night, my mom, like, leaves the light on in her room. And I think the screen in her room, which which I never use because I'm never up there. Yeah. All these little bugs came flying in and landed on her p- white pillowcase. And so she's about to go to bed. And all of a sudden, there's like, I don't even know what they are. Like, they're just like baby little flying bugs, not mosquitoes, but something. And it's hot. Yeah. Like, things happen. They came in the house and they're like eight of them sitting on her pillowcase. So, of course, she like takes a video of it and she sees me later that night when I get home, like an hour later. She's like, oh, I was about to go to sleep. Oh, but these bugs, like, oh, that, oh, so I can't sleep now. Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God. Oh you my God. Fucking universe. Like, why did you have to send the bugs tonight? It is totally not your fault no i've never seen i've never seen those bugs before i've literally and now it's like in her head i'm like a fucking wreck you know what i mean and then as we're leaving like she you know she leaves a few days later and she calls me and i'm like oh like you know maybe she's gonna say thank you she's like "Mm, yeah thanks for your hospitality um so and she just give me a list of like things of why why is this like this why is this like this why is this like so was she able to get rest over the next few nights apparently so okay well thank goodness for that because the last thing you want is oh it's a wento maestro i haven't slept all night exactly i was so afraid oh my god but she did oversleep the next morning so i feel like that's somehow my fault too Uh. (laughs) (laughs) and people are wondering why why we people pleasers inherently take on responsibility for literally everything even when it's not our fault yes can't do it and like I, honestly, all jokes aside, like, okay, my mom's a little extra. She's very hypercritical. Like, she's she's funny, but she's cutting. Like, she's all these things. However, I, I was noticing in myself how sensitive I was because it's my space. It's my sacred space that Abe and I have built together. Mm-hmm. Every little decision we've made, we have really, like, fought to make this a place that feels safe, sacred, homey, whole, like, all of these things, you know? And so everything she said, I think, was amplified tenfold because because it, it's our safe space. And also in reaction to you feeling that way, I don't know if she did this or not, but yeah. like if I express that, yeah. my mom would be like, yeah. you're too sensitive. You're too sensitive. You're being dramatic. You're being dramatic. Yeah. It's like, I'm just making, I'm just poking fun. I'm just having fun. Yeah. You know, it's like, ah, yeah, like, yeah, I'm just messing with it's you. It's not that deep, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and it then, is. And then, yeah, and then you're feeling all battered and torn up, and you're like, I guess it doesn't really mean anything, but it does, yeah. And so, that's why the topic for today that we've chosen is designing your space. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually got this idea from our lovely friend, um, she used to host Bamboo and Glass. Tone, thank you so much for Thank this. you, Tone. You're a genius. We love you. Yes. Because, like, when Prisca brought this up, I was like, oh, my God, yes. Yeah. This is, like, such a discussion that I feel like impacts all of us, especially after the pandemic. Yes. Like, more than anything, you spend more time in your home. You and know? I remember watching you because I don't think I, I, I don't think I had this moment until more recently that I felt confident, confident about it. But I feel like right at the top of the pandemic, you were like, you know what? I'm going to redirect my efforts 
to my internal space. Yes, yes. And it was life-changing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, like, as we grow into adults, uh, goatees, let, let us know if this resonates with you, but you tend to have more domestic care. Yes. Because you realize that it is a reflection of your mental health. It's a reflection of your emotional health. Right. Those of us with depression, we know what that's like when we go Ooh. through our terrible phases. And what a doozy. Yeah. And then, like, the cleanup process, all of it's really spiritual. So, yeah. Um, yeah, such a great, I like, topic, and I can't wait to deep dive into right. this you know but before we do that i do want to ask you your mom has not been in your new space yet no what are your feelings about if she were to come to visit the u.s i'm terrified <laughs> i'm terrified friska because yeah. when you told me about like when you texted me and like told me everything that your mom said to you i was like hard relate i feel like she would do the same right and it's their love language. It, Unfortunately, it's like they only know how to criticize you. Yeah. They only know how to keep, they think of keeping you humble is right. the thing. I mean, I think earlier today you were saying that our parents have not lived with us for so long. And why do they feel that they can dictate, judge, and criticize us? AKA, AKA DJC. <laughs> so let's make this the thing, y'all. Yeah. Hashtag DJC. Hashtag DJC. Why are they allowed to come into our space and, and DJC us? us? You know, dictate, <laughs> judge, criticize. And I was like, girl, you nailed every single thing that you feel is being done to you. Thank you. And I honestly felt like, I felt like a tetherball or something. You're just being hit <laughs> over and over from different directions and spinning tighter and tighter. And, and each hit is not necessarily like that big a deal, but it's all the collective little DJCs, the dictating, the judging, the criticizing that leaves you feeling a little hung up. Why can't they appreciate our growth? Why yeah. can't they see, we really see the life that we built for ourselves reflected in our surroundings. Right. And like, it brought me to a memory of my grandmother when she was still alive and my aunt Melissa, and we were like making food or something for dinner. And I remember like Melissa's in her mid fifties mm. at this point. And my grandmother's like, why are you wearing that? Like pull what? that up. Like you're showing too much. And then, I saw Melissa like self-consciously like pull up her shirt Ugh. and that's how parents see us. Yep. Like no matter what, that we're always going to be their children. Yeah. And like, it's a double-edged sword. We right. take it with all it the good sweet. and the bad, you yeah. know? And like, in this case, I really, I'm really terrified. Like I love my home. Like, yeah. I have a sh I have a room of shame. Yeah. So, Ooh. You know, my room of shame is basically Your all closet? my hoarding. <laughs> all of my closets. But I have one particular room of shame that is like, you know where it is. Yes. It's like right by my bathroom. And uh, there's no door to it. So everyone can see my shame <laughs> when they go to my bathroom. But it's just like stacked high with like random, <laughs> random stuff in the emergence of a zombie it's apocalypse. It's your Monica closet. Yeah. It's my yeah. Monica <laughs> closet. Yeah. So, so then I just think about, oh my God, what if she sees my room of shame? Actually, she's going to open every single closet oh, door. Yeah. And they're going to get up in your space and they're going to like, they're going to see your thought processes behind everything, which is kind of sweet. Like if you, you know, big picture, oh, it's kind of sweet. No, but it doesn't feel sweet because they're looking for things to critique. And also she's going to rearrange it. And here's <gasps> a fuck up. No! But here's the fucked up thing. If she doesn't, I feel bad. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like if my mom... We, uh, she's of course the greatest love of my life and my greatest karma relationship. Uh -huh. um, but it's like, 
she'll go in and she'll be like, Ani, ah, someone sounds like, why do you do this? Like, blah, blah, blah. And then she'll rearrange it. And then I'll be like, why are you rearranging yeah. my stuff? But on the other side, if she's like, I don't, I don't, I won't bother with yeah. it. You know, like, and that's the deepest rejection. Yeah, yeah. Like, whatever you want to do, like, sweep your knee, right? Like, yeah. Very passive aggressive, sweep your knee. And like, she doesn't. And then if that's just, what you want. And then it's like, yeah. you feel like she doesn't care. And that how bur- that somehow burns even, even deeper. Yeah, yeah. It's so fucked up. It's so messed up. Like, it's so hard to like wrap our heads around it. But it's because we're adults, you know? But then when we're around our parents, and again, we're very lucky to have our parents with us. Like, like yeah. we're fortunate. Very like, fortunate. You know, but I, I was I was thinking about this and I'm a pastor's kid. I have a certain amount of like bitterness from my parents re-diverting their time to other people. Yeah. And and, and I think especially as a young adult, it burned the most. Because when we're when when I was in like high school, like my mom was very invested in our academic lives, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. But I think in our kind of like early adulthood, when they were just fully like their ministry was the center of their entire life. And uh, they really had no room for anything outside of that. And on top of that, I was in the process of kind of leaving the church. I think that whole process, like when I when I read about, like, say, like Mormon folks leaving the church, I can kind of relate to an extent, obviously not as stringent and not as black and white, but I feel some of that grief. Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, I miss my parents and I miss my family, but I also had to push them away for very specific reasons because I had to form my own identity. I had to form my own religious, you know, leavings. Um, I, I had to become my own person. And because of that, like, I think in some ways I'm realizing like my parents really don't know me that well anymore. Mm. And, and I, I've become my own person and having them so close in my space, it's like, it's it's a weird feeling because it's like I'm giving you all the clues you need to know who I am. All the things you need to know about who I am today are littered around my house. Yeah. You know, they're they're evident in the systems that I've created. They're evident in the decor that I've chosen. They're evident in the way. And so I think when they criticize it, well, specifically my mom, when she criticizes it, it feels like an attack on like who I've become and who I am. You know, it's interesting about the philosophy of space because I remembered like growing up in my house and like people would be over like fr- friends of family like yeah. random people, like in all the time it's like stage line stage line you yeah. know like a neighbor right you know someone that uh pta whatever revolving like, door revolving door but then now that i'm an adult mm. my space is so fucking sacred totally. if there's a solicitor at the door and they're trying to sell you something remember like they yes. would invite you would come to a living room they would sit down with yeah. their mom and dad they, my like, mom would serve tea yeah yeah and then um they'll try to get you to sign something or subscribe to a magazine yeah like i'm like no nowadays our generation's like no that's okay. We're yeah. at the door. We'll, we'll have a nice day. We'll, we'll yeah. leave you where you are. Because yes, your home, it's a very vulnerable, sacred space. Yes. Yeah. Right. And it's not like, I don't think like when you were just talking about that, like the notion of you coming into my home, you get to see the intimate habits. You see that this seat is more worn than the others. Yes. This is where I sit. This indentation is where I sit the most. Like Ugh. if you really, or this, this place is where I really like, you see where I drop like my, my toothbrush every morning because right. of this like splatter of toothpaste. <laughs> 
<laughs> like you know yeah. it, it's intimacy right yeah and, but they don't see it that way no. they're just like a home is utilitarian right right yes. like and like my next question to you is like um you know when you were growing up and because you were talking about like your parents putting the church community as the center of yeah. their world yeah where does home Ugh. fit into that? Like, where does that fall in the line of priorities? And who took care of the home? Right. No, that's, oh my goodness. Ugh. That's such a good question. And I feel like when you said that our house was a revolving door, literally our house was a revolving door. Our house was an extension of the church community. So that meant most Fridays, most Saturdays, most Wednesdays, most Thursdays, most post-church oh Sundays. Literally There every day. were people there. Yeah. And it was a certain type of chaos that I actually kind of thrive in. Yeah. However, like at a moment's notice, like a missionary's family could come back and like, I would be sleeping on the floor of my parents' room for a week or two. Or oh, month. what? Yeah. I, it was very common. Or all of a sudden a family comes into town and they have a need. So then their, their daughter's bunking with me. Some daughters are bunking with Rose and Vicky or Rose and Vic, my sisters, they'll move into my room. And then like the missionary family will be in their room. It is like a, it, it, it was a constantly moving sense of space and a lack of like true, ownership and like it was and honestly I think we were pretty great kids because like we just went with the flow it was so common to us that like I didn't think of it as a thing until adulthood like I didn't think of it as a thing what was your favorite place in the house Ooh, honestly mm. I really loved like my mom's closet she had like a pull-up bar in there. So I was like, you know, I was a little gymnast and her clothes were so interesting and it smelled like mom, even though she yeah, was at work all day. Uh -huh. And like, it, it was quiet. You could kind of lock yourself in there if you needed to. Like, yeah, mom's closet was always like pretty special. And also you could go in there by yourself. Yeah. And you could just like hide and like squat down quiet. and sit down. Yeah. And like yeah. be protected by all the layers of clothing she had in there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh my God, I could almost imagine what that smells like. Totally. Yeah. You know? It smells like 90s perfume. It does. Like, it has like little there's hairspray. a plaid boxed up like yes, shoulder pads. So many shoulder pads. How about you? What was, can you paint me a little picture of your childhood home? Like what, like the home that you really relate to as being your childhood home, what was it like and how was it kept? So I lived in two places of significance. Mm -hmm. One was in the Netherlands in Rotterdam. Right. And then one was Plainsboro, New Jersey. Mm. And that was like in a townhouse. Mm. And there, I, it's so interesting. Like when you asked me that question, I sense color palette. So like in mm. Rotterdam, it was like ceramics, blue and mm. white was the color that really, and pastels and wow. florals. And then like in New Jersey, it was all beige <laughs> and browns Woo! beige and browns Shit. beige and browns yeah and i i have fun i guess you know when you're so young in europe like i just remember like beautiful like my my parents had such interesting furniture like it was all sort of collected yeah random wow. like really interesting prints like my parents were cool ass cats like oh, yeah. now that I'm looking back at their photos my mom's a fashionista oh yeah you don't really think this about your parents growing no. up you're just like oh it's just mom and dad you know well, I mean even now your parents are cool their oh, space <laughs> is beautiful thank you it's very you know? elegant yeah it's very it's elegant transformed to elegant minimalist and well kept sophisticated and the lighting is impeccable, like the colors. Are, but like, yeah. so, you know, and I think 
it, you know, as we were preparing for this, I thought, again, we would have similarities, but we come from very different very places. Very different places. How did your mom keep the home? Well, it's very clean. It's mm. very organized. And we moved a lot. Fuck. So we moved a lot. And so my mom has a box of memories. Okay. But the thing is, she's like, she's like, if you don't need it, throw it out. So, you wow. know, so it's like a minimalist. Yeah. So uh, we she's not very sentimental in that case Interesting. where I'm very sentimental, yeah. you know, and she kept a few things, you know, like records of me talking or like photo albums and stuff like that. But there's only like one box that I have for like my entire childhood of wow. collectibles, like, you know, from school stuff, my drawings and all of that. But there really isn't much more than that because wow. we don't really have much history in these spaces. So, um, so yeah, it's weird because I, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't, I can't keep my place too messy. Right. Because my mom barges it. She doesn't knock, you know, right. what are boundaries in Asian American homes, you know? Right. Um, and I remembered like I would spill, I remember like trying to keep, I love you mom, <sighs> but I like remember try keeping a diary when I was starting to formulate my thoughts and emotions mm -hmm. because they were so repressed mm. and, um, she would find it. And if I'm like venting about her, she would get mad at me oh, and then like man. not talk to me for two weeks. Um, Home is always very organized. We present very well, you know? But and so, yeah. So what was your room like and where could you keep a little collection of memorabilia or tchotchkes? I feel like my, my room is probably the messiest mm. um, out of all the other rooms sure. and because she's like you need to have responsibility for your own space yeah but it's of course never right mm -hmm. it's never yeah. good enough and You're i feel kid. like yeah and, but, but i'm still like this to this day like mm. you, you see like all my books are stacked in the most you know uh, unreasonable way like you know like it's just but, i have random choshkis like i'm still that person yeah i just have more freedom to do it but i feel like the structure in which she has installed in me has maintained. Yeah. You know, like I feel like I got really messy when I lived with people, mm. you know, because I just let myself go fucking full out and not have structure. Because it was structure. so restrictive when yeah, you were young. Yeah, it was so structured. And then I had no idea. Like it, it just... It just came from a place of fear, you yeah. know, it's like not doing things right. Or if I like leave too many dishes out or like yeah. whatever. But like we had that rebellious stage in our 20s where I'm like, I'm free to do whatever, right. you know, like fuck it all, you yeah. know. And, and you're learning how to cohabit with other people. You're trying to find who you are outside of that structure. Yeah. And also my mom, you know, like she didn't she worked. She she basically my dad worked all day mm -hmm. and she was responsible for the home 24 7 wow so he had control over the finances the money and yeah. like the, and she had control over the house oh okay that was her domain her domain that was like fully like end to end she's the boss here yes okay yes so what kind of systems did she have like like in the kitchen like was it like you can leave a dish in the in the sink for a minute or it's got to be washed right away you know what's interesting is that my mom never let me wash the dishes really yeah and still to this day she doesn't let me do it really mm -hmm. because, because she, says, she wants to do it right yes because huh. she's like you're gonna wash it wrong <gasps> and and it's interesting right because some could say that that's very privileged that also i didn't know how to do my laundry until i was in college Fuck. so she had a she had a she had a way of doing things that yeah. if it's not that way it's wrong so did you end up being like well then i just give up yeah, yeah, I mean, look, even folding clothes yeah. 
it has to be done a certain way and I like couldn't do it that way like I just couldn't so it's it's like she would always do it for me wow so in a way it, like I never really learned how to do like whatever like I just couldn't do like she said yeah. that and then I just couldn't do that so then in the end she's like yeah, 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 you know yeah, 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 yeah. but it, it didn't allow me like I had to figure it all out in college I didn't own. know how to cook remember right, like I didn't yeah. know how to cook that's right I, I was afraid to turn on a stove oh my god because I thought I would burn the house down and it was because that's what she would tell you oh yeah yeah and it's just like I'm I I never even had a chance you right. know during that time to do things right that's honestly that's fascinating really yeah that's fascinating because I think that's an it's okay like your mother she's home you're an only child so like you are her entire project yeah so she's just managing everything around you she's my manager that's <laughs> crazy so you literally like couldn't i didn't know how to warm up a tortilla <laughs> i didn't i only maybe knew how to use the microwave that must have been a really hard transition and then not only okay this is what's crazy to me then not only did you leave for college uh -huh. she left the country <laughs> yeah. because a lot of those transitional things it's like you know Irvine is an hour away from where we grew up Maybe you could go home on the weekends. Maybe you can be like, Ma, well, she has you. It's like a whatever, you yeah, know? Yeah. Well, you, you're just like, Mom, I need to learn this, you know? But yeah. no, she left the country. <laughs> and 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 I, I know I talked about this in previous episodes because we talked about it, but I'm like, didn't know how to use a laundry machine. It's like, basically, my doormates taught me home economics. <gasps> Holy shit. And like, and also I didn't want to be home at all. Like, yeah. Um, and I'm sure we all felt like that as college students, but like, I didn't know how to cook. Right. I didn't know how to zenly. I didn't yeah. know how to organize Clean, myself. Yeah. So I just neglected that responsibility because I never had a chance to really fuck up and learn. Oh my God. No wonder you were in a dance group that would dance until like dawn. Yeah. Yeah. I just, just was never out. home. I would leave at eight in the morning and not come back until 1am. Oh my God. Because I just, and also it's like, how often do you wash sheets? How often? Do, I don't know. Yeah. You know? And right. then like my, my roommates will be like, Roxy, you know, you should do you this. Be. Yeah. It's like time to do the dishes or yeah. like Roxy, maybe you should clean up the fridge a little right. bit. And I'm like, how do you do that? You know? <laughs> and I was like lucky because I have friends that are very compassionate and understanding. Yeah. And they were like, oh, it's so cute that Roxy doesn't know how to, does everyone <laughs> feed her? You know? And I, but, but, you know, I, I just think that reflecting back on it, it's. I, I know that she probably did it out of love because she felt like it was her role and responsibility as the mother yeah. and as the woman of the household right. to be the domestic queen. But it's it was kind of debilitating. It was debilitating. It was, um, you know, it's it's like uh, she'll be like, OK, uh, you could like mama, tisang. you know, I could go and Swiffer the floor for like even wow. to this day when I go and visit her in my home. That's not really my home, yeah. you know, like in yeah. Taiwan. It's like um, she still does my laundry for me. You know, right. she does my laundry. She does Rochelle's laundry. Like when Rochelle comes in, we don't, we don't touch any of those things. So it's, it, it's part of like, it's part of her love language, but it's also her controlling. It's her controlling. And also she let us, me cook once for, for our family, like, in the, which is a huge step for her. Right. But then I couldn't hear the end of it because she's just like, I spent two weeks trying to get like oh, the, the, stain, the stains the off smell. of this one pot. Oh my And God. I like, well, I, I, I tried cleaning it for two hours and it won't come up, you know, like shit like, like that. Like just giving you guff. Like, <sighs> yeah. Oh my goodness. This is so crazy. Cause 
I think that because, you know, you and I lived together for a year. I feel like we ended up at that age in a similar place, but for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Like, I think debilitated to an to an extent. Well, I don't I feel like. I feel like uh, well, that's we why Rochelle, both- Rochelle was like the cleaning, the one who cleans, you yeah. know, like, yeah. And then I'm just like, and then you were out all the time. Yeah. And I was just like, what is this? I had no furniture. Yeah. I had nothing in that apartment. Yeah. It, it, we would just eat, drink, like, sleep. Like, how did you view our uh, Mentone apartment? Like, what was that space to you? Mm, I mean... I mean, I have so many, like, good memories from the fun we had there. But it was definitely, like... It was definitely, like, I don't think I could live there now. Oh, definitely not. Like, we... we Like, it was, you know... It was crowded with a, the, the, the the leftover things from a lot of people. It was... Someone was living in the living room, so there's very little, like, open yeah, area and space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, it was hard to... When you live with three people, slash four, slash five, depending on who's dating who. Yeah. Um, and the partners are just over living all the time. Yeah. And it's hard to know... Who to take res- who should take responsibility also for something? Also, that, that apartment was also a revolving door. Like, yes. anytime, any night, there's someone different. Someone different. Yeah. yeah. Every night, someone was coming through. So, I feel like it felt... I didn't have any issues with it. It felt familiar. Um, and there was a lot I enjoyed about it. But it, it, it definitely wasn't, like, luxury living. <laughs> I think, I mean? like, going yeah. into it, did you just imagine... Because I know that Rochelle and I talked about it or maybe we didn't I, I don't remember but like I was like oh this is just a transitional space yeah it definitely felt that way and when you come into a space being like you are just transitional for me there's a lack of love yeah put into it no definitely and I think like we had very lofty ideals on yes. like what we could do with the place <laughs> and then like realized our budget was zero and yeah. like you know I, I yeah I, I think that we made the best of it we yeah. did. We did. But it was it was messy. It was messy. And Rochelle was the main cleaner. And I feel like you and I would kind of like try. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I I just was never there too. So I feel like it was hard to like feel like we had responsibility for something. Like yeah, look, to this day, I'm gonna say this, you know, out loud on this podcast. <laughs> and you know, for everybody who is like me. I see you. I hear you. I still cannot clean well to this day. I am not great, which is why I hired a cleaner. There you, you go. You know, because like what it, I feel like, like, I don't know what to use, like vinegar, what, like, yeah. things, I, I don't know, like bleach. Like sometimes like it's, I don't know that stuff. And I feel like I feel ashamed that I no, don't mm. know that stuff sometimes. But um, also it's like whenever I have cleaners come over, they do a deep clean and they've they been do doing so that for, much better. Yeah. And I'm just like, they do it so much faster than me. They do yeah. it so much better than me. And I was yeah. like, and I have this money to be able to pay them. So why the fuck? Like, why am I beating myself I mean, up over it? I honestly, like, I feel like at the end of the day for whatever things like, you know, the patriarchy has put on women being good housekeepers. Uh, it's an admin thing in your house. And if you need to outsource it, you outsource it. Like, yeah. you know, I have an accountant for my taxes. Yeah. And then, like, if you can hire, you know, I don't personally have a cleaner at the moment but i would i can't wait oh, till i can you need to this place is so big i don't understand it's too much you i'm it's like too much i would yeah. break my back trying to clean just the first floor of this yeah house. but okay so i okay i feel like i've come from such an opposite kind yeah. of point of view and i feel like i don't i feel that most of the chinese taiwanese immigrants that i grew up with mm-hmm. grew up in 
relatively chaotic houses, especially yes. people that came like later or like their parents were maybe like more in from one China. house, like a lot of people, one house, multi-generational. Yes. You lived in a multi-generational house. Yes. We yes. had me, my sisters, my parents, and then my grandparents, uh, both sides lived with, with, with us at different times. So it was constant. And, and also it's like, you're, all of my friends at this time were growing up with, you know, my grandfather. He died at 98. I think he was born in like, like maybe 1918 or something. Wow. Yeah. And so maybe even earlier than that, might have been 19. No, it was 1912. He was born in 1912. Yeah. And so. The year the Titanic sinks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you're growing up with really old world people and not only old world, but like old world China, which was like, you know, this is kind of like a base reference point for your family, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, the lack of cleanliness, uh, lots of hoarding. I know a lot of immigrant families deal with hoarding, yes. you know, not just from Asia, but from everywhere, because yes. it's like, you may, you may have lost your home. You may have lost a lot of things. Right. You may have had to, you know, so you hold on to things. It's a, in a reaction way. from that. Yeah. yeah. From hardship. And then, you know, if you, if, if, if your family was accustomed within a generation or two to growing up with, uh, dirt floors, your idea of clean floors is going to be totally different. Even Absolutely. if it's shoeless, it's still like, you know, it's clean in a different way. Yeah. I don't know how to describe <laughs> it's it. It's like when you would wear twosia, you would wear slippers yes. inside, you know? Exactly. Like, exactly. It would just wear twosia. So crumbs, it, it's on the floor is not a big issue. Magazine stacks, newspaper stacks, like you're just growing up in a lot of chaos. And then on top of that, like it's a multi-use space. So like your grandparents are watching Chinese operas from, you know, six to nine. Oh yeah. There's like always noise happening, whether yes. it's background noise or like yeah. people talking or like just a news channel that's been on 24 seven. Yes. It's constant. And then constant. your parents are watching something and then, you know, and then, and then the kids movies on at some yeah, point. And it's people are constant. playing and crying, like all the things. It's just, it's a lot of uh, chaos. It's a lot of every surface is sticky. I don't know. I, I, and, or dusty. I, yeah, yeah. Sticky, dusty, you know, things are put away in certain shelves, but everything's sticky and dusty. You're not allowed to touch certain things. Like yeah. there's just a lot of chaos. And then I feel, you know, I, again, I, I, I think this is part of the patriarchy and it's one of the things like, honestly, that's been an interesting little point of contention with my mom and I, my mom was a working mom and she also not like, I really do feel that my mom was superwoman. Was she mean sometimes? Yeah. She's very mean, but like, did she get every fucking thing done? And did she notice every little thing that was going on? Yeah, she did. She went to work every day, came home and made sure that she knew every quiz, every test, every assignment we had. She was very academically focused on us. And then on the weekends, she's doing church. On weeknights, she's doing church stuff. Um, she's being a pastor's wife. She's driving people to things. She's picking up kids. She's doing all these things. Um, so much trauma. So much. Yeah. And, and and then she, on the on the Saturday, she's driving us to art lessons. She's going, you know, she's doing piano lessons. So How she's is doing that all of even this. feasible? Like me just hearing that, I'm like, I could never. It's crazy. Even half of that. It's yeah. crazy. So like, I do not mean this as a criticism, but my mom was not a homemaker. She did not know really how to keep a home and she didn't cook. She maybe cooked once every three to four months. Really? Maybe, maybe that. But who was the homemaker? So my dad, I mean, it was my dad. Oh. He made meals. He dropped us off at school. He picked us up from school. Uh, he would do what my mom told him to do, which 
you know, it's not always the best. And then if my grandparents were living with us, my grandma would, would take over cooking. Um, but And she would clean, but it's like the old world China yeah. Taiwan <laughs> version of cleaning, yeah. which, which, which is fine. It's just, it's... Very minimal. It's very, yes. It's and it, very Swabian. <laughs> it's, 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 she works all day long, but it's like still messy. Yeah. You know, it's still uh, sticky. You know, it's not a criticism. It's just like how we grew up. And so I do feel like a lot of... And, you know, let me know if you think I'm wrong, but I notice a lot of like Korean American, Chinese American families that grew up kind of with this immigrant multi-generational household. They've really leaned into having like clean, aesthetically pleasing, non-cluttered spaces. I think, you know, what you're saying really opens up this conversation and me reflecting about my parents' upbringing. Because, like, in my dad's side, right, we yeah. have the rice shop that I talked about. Yes. You have level one, which is the rice shop. You have level two, which is the living room communal space. Right. Uh, third floor is my dad's family and Tabo, my oldest uncle's family. What? Then the fourth floor is my kuku. Yeah. yeah you know, oh, not my kuku. She married out. Okay. But, like, um, my, my second uncle's, like, kids level. Oh so, like, every floor of the house is a different family of the sons. Holy and then shit. So then at dinner, we all commune around the Lazy Susan and, like, all of our, fa- all the generations, all their kids, them, my grandma, all in one Wow. That's why, like, my dad loves big family stuff, right? And then on my mom's side, she comes from poverty. So it's one oh. tatami room with seven daughters and my grandma. Fuck. Right? So then both of them coming to America into a nuclear American family wow. with only one daughter <gasps> with no community around them. She, she did a full pivot. Full pivot. She, Wow. Okay, and okay, that okay, this is just interesting because my mom's family was a little more affluent than my dad's family. Mm-hmm. They grew up in Taipei, like they were kind of society people. Like mm-hmm. my, my grandfather worked for the government. Mm-hmm. So they had a housekeeper, maids, they had drivers, they had a cook. Whoa, like, okay. So I think that could also kind of include why my mom's not really a yeah, she's not very traditional. She doesn't need to uphold no. that sense of a female role. And she didn't grow up having to cook and clean or, or do anything either. Yeah, and you guys turn out fine. See, Mom, I don't need to learn how to do <laughs> But isn't that funny? Like, yes. That I, I didn't think of it that way. It's like, oh, okay. It, it all, it's all generational, and it either pivots with each generation or it informs the next generation. That's true. My mom did a complete spin, but I think it's because she's so traumatized by like having to live in such a small in space a small, with right. all of her sisters. They just fight with each other and, and there's no like control lack of resources. Anything. And you get beaten by my grandmother, you know, and it's wow. like now that she has the space yep. to control things, yeah. then she's going to control it. Right. And it's like and out of love, neat. but yes, it's every utilitarian. Yes. Military. Like right angles everywhere. Yes. Like everything's got a place because I'm sure growing up in that little room, nothing you had had a place. But then also it makes sense that she probably had to throw out a lot of stuff because how much can you keep in a tiny room? I think it's funny because us talking about this, I'm like my mom in her own way was trying to release her generational trauma. Oof. Oof. And another reminder that our parents are people too. We're going to come back after a short little break. 
<laughs> wow. What a simple topic. And I'm like, I didn't really think it would spin out into just fucking generational trauma being maybe healed, maybe not, maybe perpetuated. Um, but we'll be right back after a short little break. <laughs> If you're ever nodding along while listening to Two Horny Goats, we we totally get that we might not always agree on everything, but we're aimed at approaching each conversation with as much safety, balance, and compassion as we can. If you're enjoying this pod, please share it with a friend. Share it over lunch. Share it while you're in the car together. Share it when you don't want to talk. Just listen to us so that we completely infiltrate your mind, body, and soul. We love you. Spread the good word. Stay horny. there's so many fictions that we inherit that weren't ours and a lot of them have to do with exactly what you're saying capitalism patriarchy heteronormativity cisnormativity white supremacy and i i do love to read but i don't like to read these particular fictions anymore hi goatees hope you're enjoying today's episode last season we had the honor of interviewing poet activist and educator genevieve ting if you haven't heard this episode yet add it to your queue now For the vast majority of my life, I was socialized as an Asian American woman. I still feel a great connection to like the femininity that lives inside of my body. And if womanhood was like this house that I was sort of like indoctrinated into, you know, for the longest time, like I knew the blueprint of the house. I knew that house well. I started to identify as non-binary and I was like, I don't want to be in this house. I want to be in my body. Genevieve has a knack for using language to slice through convention to create new, beautiful things. It's intoxicating. It was a privilege to sit down with them and learn more about the intricacies of their gender identity journey. I I feel like I'm so much of me is dying as I'm rebirthing myself. There, there is the very easy narrative of like, I'm finally becoming the person I want to be and that's great, but there also has to be space for like the messy reality, which is like, I'm also dying yeah. <laughs> and I'm also like putting myself to rest all the time. And it's okay for me to like be mourning myself because it happens and transition also means change. We hope you take a listen. Head to twohornygoats.com slash episodes slash queerness to listen now or find the episode on Spotify and iTunes. Okay, now back to the show. All right, welcome back to the episode, Goatees. Um, I literally thought this was going to be light fodder, like a fun little epi, like, you know what I mean? Talking about our aesthetics and stuff like that. Um, no, but of Breaking course- Breaking open Pandora's box. There we go. Of course, every time on Two Horny Goats, we always dig deeper than we even wanted to. And sometimes we strike gold, sometimes we strike water, sometimes we strike more dirt. I have a question always for more you dirt. before yes. we t- get into the second part. Okay. Do you imagine after going through what you went through recently with your mom mm-hmm. and like growing up in that household of yours where it's multi-generational in your later years? Yeah. Do you imagine your parents living with you? If you asked me 10 years ago, I would say 100% yes. Um, and I think if you asked me today, going through what we've been through with our families, um, both with aging elders and with sick family members, I think that I've realized, like, I think the thing that would make the most sense is like to go and care for family for a time, Mm -hmm. but also 
the importance of being able to uh, retreat mm-hmm. uh, because we're culturally different from our families and yet we're culturally reared by our families. So I would do everything I could not to need to send them to just like a home unless it was like really an illness where, or like a hospital, you know, unfortunately, like sadly a hospice facility. I wouldn't want to just send them to live somewhere uh, unless it was something that they prompted and wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, like Abe's family, Abe's parents, they live in like kind of like a retirement community, but it's all like Korean retirees. So they're having the time of their lives. Oh, I, great. I was like, yeah, I was like it's like so a college great. dorm room, you yeah. know? So something like that, like I totally get it. But like, I don't, I'm realizing the toll that it takes to have a family member live with you 24 seven, especially if, if they need a certain amount of care. So I would try to find a hybrid. I don't know that the old way would totally work for me. I don't know that the, like how our parents would say the American way would, would work for us at all. I think they would feel abandoned. I'm fortunate to have three sisters. So I think between the three of us, like having a hybridized thing, like I saw my mom's sisters kind of rotate. Mm-hmm. Um, you need support from family. It really takes a village, doesn't it? Takes it takes a village, yeah. yeah. And me as a grandchild of my grandmother, um, I had shifts, you know, mm-hmm. of, of, of caring for her, of driving her and, and, and whatnot. And that, um, that multi-generational love, I think is so important. So mm-hmm. I, I see nothing wrong with that. I, I would, I would want to encourage that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Cause like my parents, we were on, we were having a talk recently and, um, you know, Taiwan, I know this isn't being spoken about as much anymore, yeah. but we are still very much under the threat of war. 100%. And, uh, you know, my mom is just like, well, it looks like 2027, something might actually happen. Jeez. And then she, I was like, yeah, why don't you just move to L.A. and live with me? Like, I just said that yeah. because obviously I love my parents, but I wasn't thinking about, you know, whatever at yeah. the time. And then um, I was delusional. I sent them this six million dollar mansion I've been looking at. <laughs> <laughs> I'm manifesting, you Duh. know, um, and then I'm like, we could all live here, right? Ooh. And uh, and then my dad like is like, yes, one, we could all live in separate wings of the house <laughs> to not drive each other crazy. Ooh. And I like loved how self aware my dad yeah. is because the last time I went to Taiwan, right? You know, when we do like visits to Tainan or anything like that, I used to stay in the same hotel room, right, as them. But my dad uh, is so emotionally intelligent, yeah, and he's just like. Roxy, we're going to book you a different room. <laughs> and he goes, because I feel like your routine is different than ours. Oh, and very diplomatic. Very, di- yeah, he's, he's just like, no, but it's true. It's like I do yoga in the mornings. Yeah. You know? I don't like to be tea. I yeah. don't want to be pushed. Yeah. You know, it's like I want to take my time. Yeah. And I think like there's a sadness in, in, in their sense of like letting go of that mm-hmm. like former version where I am that kid. Yeah. But like also accepting my boundaries as an adult and where like yeah. yeah, I could enjoy time with them. Right. Without feeling like I have to be all these things with them. You can be a better version of yourself when you have the space and the time to like collect yourself and not like wake up and feel like it's wall to wall mom criticism. Yeah. And it's like sad because you want to be their baby. You yeah. know, but yeah. in the moments where it's like, oh maybe baby. I'm a, yeah. I'm a kid. But like that doesn't really happen as much anymore. Yeah, no, 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 it's true. Because it's starting to revert. It it, it 100% is. Like, when I go to my parents' house, it's not a relaxing thing because I feel like I'm always having to... Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah, I miss 
those moments thinking back like, oh, I wish, you know, I yeah. could, you know, just be a kid again or something. Yeah. But, you know, that that phase is kind of over it a little is. bit, you know? There's a, yeah. And so going off of that, like we talked about our past, we talked mm -hmm. about like the environments that we grew up in or different yeah. family structures. So how are you fostering your space now? Ooh, great question. Um, I feel that because I grew up with a certain amount of chaos in terms of space um, and like feeling like uh, no space is quite your own. There's not really a great system to things. There's not really an organization to things. Um, it has become increasingly more important for me to like find structure. Yeah. So I like nowadays, I really appreciate building systems in my house. Mm -hmm. I'm still, I still have things that go out of my, you know, purview and like things that get out of control and I'll open that cabinet, of course, you know, that's normal. Yeah. But I think like, um, when I was younger, I took it upon myself to, to clean every weekend when I was, you know, because it just felt like it was so overwhelming. My parents were so busy um, that from about the age of eight, I started doing my sister and I's laundry. Wow. Yeah. Like little miss grown up here. I mean, you know, and, and my mom, you know, I don't know if this is a cultural thing. I don't know if this is a mom, but she was like, oh, you can do it. Like you can bring a basket downstairs and this is how you do it. And I probably did it wrong, but like I knew how to put clothes in and like put the powder on and like turn on the agitator yeah. and like, you know, shake out the things that, you know, you make a lot of mistakes and, but like, and then, you know, my sister's closely behind me became something we would do together uh all throughout junior high high school like we've always just done our laundry together uh and so maybe even like weirdly in college I almost like felt like because I wasn't responsible for anyone else's laundry except my own I almost like didn't do it as much mm. and it cost money and like you know you know it was a whole thing but I feel like we had to find little things to to have order in our house because my mom just simply didn't have time. Um, and also it's Abe's a whole new person. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like you're married. Yeah. You know, you come from different environments growing up. Don't know if he came from a chaotic he probably came environment. From, yeah. He probably came from an environment that was more akin to yours where his mom, that was her domain. She took of everything yeah. she, and she kept, she's very fastidious. You yes, know what I mean? Yes, I, yes. I don't know. I feel like she had a thing too with the kitchen where she like did not let him in the kitchen. Yeah. It was like men don't belong in the kitchen type of thing. Right. Like uh, they had a saying like, Oh, your penis will fall off if you walk in. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, and so like, uh, there were certain things I feel like he learned it the opposite way where he liked things clean because he had grown up with things clean. So he figured out, reverse engineered how to keep things clean through that so process. So smart. Yeah. I wish I learned her. No, that. I mean, I, you do that in your ways, I'm sure. But like I had to learn how to clean things from a young age because it was like my mom gave us that responsibility, mm -hmm. um, which then I kind of dropped in my 20s because it was like you do it for so long, so young. And I don't think I was doing it necessarily right or well, but I was doing it from a very young age, like swiffering the house, vacuuming the house, um, like wiping down certain surfaces and stuff. So I feel like I gave up on it in my 20s. And then when I had roommates, I just kind of like did what I had to do, but like also didn't do anything thoroughly. Yeah. So now I feel like, yes, ever since I got married, 
Abe and I have started to build like systems, like, yeah. you know, like the dish, like have when everything has a place, then things make sense to put back away. Also, I think like having a partner in the home makes you so accountable because the last thing you want to do yeah. is him being like, babe, where's the scissors? Yeah. Babe, I can't find this. And you're like, it's exactly where I put it yes. every single time. And he's like, I don't know. Cause it's like silly, but it's true. It's so true. It's like my, my mom and dad still do that, right. you know, but she owns the home. So like he gets, he just <laughs> has to at. learn the system. Yeah. And so, yeah, I feel like it is a, it was something for Abe and I to figure out, which was, uh, he grew up with a mom who was more of a homemaker. I grew up with a mother who was not. Mm -hmm. I grew up with a father who was doing most of the housework. So between the two of us, like, we're kind of like, we had to kind of negotiate a lot of things, you know? Um, but anyhow, how, like, I feel like for you, I feel that, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you moved into a space all your own, that's really when you started to keep a blooming. Home. That's yes. when I started blooming. So tell me about that process. What was that like? Because I think you were a little nervous to move in on your own because you had lived with Rochelle I was for the 10 most, years. I was the, reflecting back, I was the most toxic roommate. <laughs> I was the, I was the most toxic roommate, y'all. Like, I, I never would have taken responsibility for myself. I right. had Greg at the time who right. was submissive to me. Yes. Love you, Greg. And then also Rochelle who is the sweetest person. Right. You know, and like, I just, whatever, I was just being head honcho, being, you know, I, I was, I don't know. Real you were segue. like a free spirit. I, I, mm, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I was not accountable. Mm. Let's be real. I wasn't. Yeah, you right, know? right, right, I right. I focused right. on my career right right but right. in that sense I wasn't very fully balanced so then I, I remember when I first moved into that little studio um by myself for the mm -hmm. first time that was fucking terrifying fuck and uh, those nights alone in that small space yeah. you have like you confront yourself mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. there's no one else's fault but yours no you you left this here and it led to you not having your day organized tomorrow. That's on you. That's current Roxy not taking care of future Roxy. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's like, it's a small ass space. I lived in a fucking like 500 studio. square foot studio. Yeah. What are my excuses yeah. to not clean? Oh, you just had to smell your own shit. I had to smell my own shit. I had to smell a lot oh, of my fuck. own shit. And look, for those of for those of you who came into my space, you knew that it was, it was still kind of, it's still very me. It's like yeah. messy and like it had like, it's all little choshkis and like yes. collectible things that I love to have. And like my kitchen is the most terrifying place <laughs> because I just didn't know what to put in my, I don't know right. what to, what, what you put in kitchens, you know? I, and I was like, where do you put pans? You know, yeah, like yeah, it was still tough. very much, it was a very, and then, and then the pandemic hit. Right. I couldn't escape my house anymore. Oh shit, the pandemic hit when you were still in the studio. Yeah. And you moved during the pandemic. I, I moved 2018. And so I had a year in the studio where I was like facing my demons. Wow. And then the pandemic happened. And then I was like, oh fuck, I'm stuck in this 500 square foot space. The walls are closing in. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't just keep stacking on stuff. No. Because my bad habit is I would buy a lot of clothes and mm. never throw out what I wasn't wearing anymore. Oh, yeah. And then um, Amalia, who I talk about Amalia all the time. She's <laughs> my amazing neighbor. And she's like, what well, goes in, you need to swap it for something that must go out. Right. Right. Especially for small spaces. Yes. Yep. Yes. And then I 
thought, I think through that, I became very cognizant of um, what to bring into my space. Right. You know, so Mm -hmm. that was like sort of phase one Mm. of me learning about like, okay, don't just buy whatever. Yeah. Be very intentional about certain pieces. And I was grateful for Ratch because she works and still works at like this event space, Mm -hmm. like event producing a brand thing advertising just whatever <laughs> love you Raj. and um and she would always they would always have like furniture from like events and she'll be like oh rocks like hey you need this so she'll bring it for me right because i like either feel like i couldn't afford it yeah. or like that i didn't need it yeah um and then so then after that um i transitioned into my beautiful home now right which is so three times the size shit yeah and yeah. then i sort of brought the same philosophy with me but the only difference is now i have 50 million plants right <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Okay, you joke, but then at the same time, you you also bought certain things to fit the space and started to put together almost like set design. Mm-hmm. Like you put together a space that matched it. Yes. So I, I know it's like all, you know, it's like, but you came in with a different mindset and I'd never seen that in you before. I think I just really made a promise to myself that whatever's going to be in this house, mm-hmm. I need to love. Mm-hmm. And that includes the people that come into my house. Ooh! Ooh, yes you know what i mean like I they don't, bring their energy mm-hmm. i'm not gonna let and, and it's funny because like even just the other day i was walking through studio city and i saw this really beautiful yeah. vintage glassware set yeah and i was like oh how much is it if i just can i just buy two like two or three classes right and some and then they were like oh no it's a set of 10 and i was like i'm never gonna host the 10 no. people inside my house and she's like sorry i can't really separate that like yeah. it's commission whatever and then i just thought to myself i'm like I'm not like you host a lot of people in your place, but like, I'm just not the type of person to do that. Yeah. You and know? the space calls for what you can entertain. One on one. Yeah. Maybe two people mm-hmm. at the most, but those two people need to be like my best friends. So, yeah. they don't, so I don't need to have the pressure of like hosting. Stressing out. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so like my parents host all the time. My dad loves drinking. Yeah. He's just like, Oh, um, we're done. Like party at my house. Let's <laughs> drink at my house. And then they play like disco music oh and then the gosh. lights go crazy. They're, your parents are lit. They're lit they, yeah. they could party they could party <laughs> and they host like the, the other day they had 14 people at their apartment oh my god in their little apartment and i was just like and my mom was like i was cleaning the dishes until 3 a.m you oh know and i'm like i gosh. never want that kind of life no. so i think like okay first of all this space that i'm in is very special yeah like i see a 180 view of los angeles right um i have lots of windows so like the sun changes direction and and like it feels different every minute of wow. the day and like again just just re- uh, calibrating the discussion into something more internal mm-hmm. is that your space is a reflection of you yes like even when you're partnered i feel like it's important to have your own space as yeah. well because again we talked about identity shifts mm-hmm. through life and um you need to have some boundaries with that mm-hmm. where you feel safe or something that is just yours yeah you know what are your thoughts on that have you done that with this house yet i think finally Yes. Your house is gigantic. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think in a way, too, knowing that I think we're going to leave this place in about a few, like, maybe, like, eight months Uh um, makes me... And, you know, I think it was Abe leaving for this year, knowing that I needed to have a space that, one, he could come back to effortlessly, but, two, that I felt really safe and secure in and, like... um, you know, that, that I wouldn't be overwhelmed by being alone, you know? So I think that kind of ratcheted it up the need to 
create this space. And then also like both Abe and I love the holidays. I feel like going through the holidays every year gives us like a moment to be really intentional about the space. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that makes total sense, but like, it's like, Hey, it's the end of summer where you're just like, you know, wine and dining, running around, you know, and, and things slow down in the winter. And it, it, it makes us really intentional about making sure the place is cozy, making sure it feels warm, making yeah. sure it's good for family, for friends. So I, I feel like we finally done that. And I feel like it's been such a process because, um, you know, in Ashland, we live in, lived in a sublet, but we worked really hard to make that homey. And it was a little traumatic to leave that after 10 months, you know? Yes. I think I over-nested there, to be honest, but it's just what I knew to do at the time. Like, and also, I over... yeah, that was like your role at the time, too. Yeah. It's like, it wasn't, you weren't there for your work or anything no. like that. So that was, it's like, it's kind of like my mom. It's like, yeah. my dad had the job, but you funneled your efforts into Towards, creating a home. Yeah. And it was like post-wedding and, you know, I was just like, I needed to feel settled. I needed to feel something and I, I think just, that's important it, it was yeah and I, you know coming off of living with roommates for like a decade you know you're just kind of ready for your own space and like stuff um and then we lived in sublets for like two years after that you know so we lived in Brooklyn we, we stayed in La Jolla for a bit uh we were in that place in Los Feliz for a year so we felt very unmoored and unanchored so I do think coming into this space I saw Abe really start to make this his own and I kind of was encouraged to do that it took me a long time I feel like I fought with this house and I think because you know me and my mom have our thing yeah but I fought with this house for a while but I feel like I got it to a place where now I'm like I feel grounded in the space I feel like I know when I go to reach for something it's going to be there and that gives me like this weird peace um and I feel like when I come home I do feel that <sighs> you and I have topsy-turvy lives yeah. like like you basically had a family home mm -hmm. in multi-generational you lived in south southern california for a long time yeah i moved around a lot yes. as a kid and now all i want to do is not move yeah and then you've been moving so much so much recently yeah recently and so my question to you is that like since you're like obviously it's like the next phase yeah. is to move again yeah do you hope that the next home that you have right is something more rooted i do okay yeah i i that's a great question i i honestly because ever since you guys got married it's been like non-stop this is the this has been the longest place i've lived in since we got married you know so we've been here about three years and you know i mean listeners like this is you know not I'm a visual miss format this place. i know and, and okay so some things recently happened that i'll talk about in the next episode but it made it so like we really considered leaving like quickly yeah and um i'm so glad that we decided not to because i, I it's stupid but one of the things i wanted to do before we left is like one throw a big party for our friends you know just to like enjoy the space and like Abe and I love like cooking and hospitality and stuff so just to throw a party for our friends like this house is a family home like yeah. you could have a family in this house it's built for that right yeah and um we I want to spend the holidays here one more time yeah I, I'm not ready to leave like the safe haven that this house was during a very chaotic time in the world um and the thing I will miss and the thing I think why the the why my mom's attitude towards this place did hurt me, but now I'm like getting over it, you know, is because we've hosted so many retreats here. Um, some people have messaged us and they're like, 
I feel safe when I'm there. I, I feel like I can rejuvenate. And I love this house. I've grown yeah, to love this house. Yeah. Right. And I know that it's the house. And for that, I genuinely appreciate. And I also know and am more confident in the fact that, like, it's because of what Abe and I have the environment we create when people are here. You guys built this. Yeah. We recorded the majority of our show here. 100%. Yeah. And like, we've cooked numerous meals for people. We've had late night conversations. We've like, you know, built ideas, built, you know, all these things like it's happened here. And I feel like it's, it feels now because I feel like I've seen the true utility of the space and what it offers me and what it has offered others. I'm really proud of the space we put together. I'm proud of you too, Baba. Thanks. And like, if you listen to our first episode from like two years ago, I was like, this house is a lot. I don't know what to do. I'm so overwhelmed. It is overwhelming when you first, because it's so unlike something you would find in LA proper. Yeah. Like in the city. Like yeah. I, I look at this place and I'm like, this is a mansion. Yeah. You know, and it's a lot to take care of. It's a lot you know? to take care of. But, but she, but she, I mean, I, so much of like when I associate you in your growth space, you've done a lot of your growing here. here. Yeah. And, and that has to be honored. It's, it's really like grown ass shit. You know, yeah. I grew in different ways in other spaces, but but being here, you know, I feel like I'm I'm finally settling down a bit. It's weird, you know, but I'm okay with it. I appreciate and relish that this helped me, this space helped me slow down. It helped me find myself. It helped me find beauty and the aesthetics of things. It helped me find confidence in in knowing how to buy things, knowing what to what you need to finish a space. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so like just to close this off, y'all, like your space isn't it it's it nurtures you as yeah. you nurture it. Right. right. Everything in our life in this plane is reciprocal. Yeah. Right. People are our mirrors and so is your space. So treat it well. If any of you have stories yes. about your space, please tell, please us. tell us. Yeah. I just know that my plants have meetings when I'm not home. Oh, for, for sure. They, they have a very sure. busy schedule. Yeah. They have a very busy schedule. That big. Oh my God. That thing. She's ready. She She's is the president. thriving. She's female president. Both of my trees are goddesses. And it's so funny. Cause <laughs> like, well, you know, when I leave town for work, I leave for a long period of yeah. time and my and Jog comes and waters them. <laughs> and then he says, like, every time he comes in, he's like, it's like I'm interrupting their meeting. <laughs> wow, he's so in touch. Yeah, you know? he's so in touch. He managed to keep them all alive. So I'm like yes. really proud of him. <laughs> but you know, I think this whole conversation has been so eye-opening because the way we grow up and the way we intake what space and safety mean to us really affect how we go and then create spaces for ourselves in adulthood. Yes. You and know? how we create spaces for others. Yeah. Inside and out. Inside oh and out. Inside and out. Inside and out. Inside and out. <laughs> Do you hear that? Oh my God. Is that a bird? Is it a plane? Caca! 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 Okay, I can go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I recently went to this restaurant that I think I saw on TikTok and Reels like numerous times, uh -huh. and it's Crab House. Mm. Um, Crab House in K-Town. <laughs> They've got the Kangjang Kejang. And for those of us who don't know what that is, yes. it is soy marinated crabs. They raw, raw crab, right? Yes. Raw crab. Mm -hmm. They're kind of like cured, Ooh. essentially, you know, because they're sitting that salt. Um, but they so have salty. like, yes, it's salty. Um, but they have crabs from Korea. 
And like, okay, Roxby was like, okay, but they're kind of insanely expensive and I get it. It is expensive, but it's so delicious. When you like squeeze out that meat onto that rice and oh then you gosh. eat it with some nori. Oh, Ugh. and they have like a uni, like a uni bowl. And then they also have like um spicy fish stew uh-huh. and that was one of the best fishy, fishy, spicy fish stews I've You're ever literally had. thinking about it right now that I'm is like fucking up the salivating. way you speak. Dude, yeah. dude, yeah. It's so good. And also Lisa from, La Lisa from um, Blackpink went there recently. Like we went there a week after she did because her photo was on the wall with the day. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Um, so it's that special. It's good enough for Blackpink. So it might be good enough for you. There's always a line at Crab House. There's, there, yeah, there's usually a line. But we went weekdays and it was fine. Oh, you know, there's another place called Master Hangsam. Have you heard? No. I'm probably saying it wrong. Their kejang is also delicious. They have a giant platter <gasps> of kejang, but also with salmon sashimi in that sauce Stop. and raw shrimp. Oh my God. So it's a literally a combo platter. Okay, we're going. Uh, we're going. Okay. We're going. Okay. I love it. Okay, bye. My second one is uh, the Iliad Bookstore in North Hollywood. In North Hollywood. Okay. Um, so my very dear sweet friends, uh, Alpha and Rob, they are they just left LA. So we will miss oh, you guys very much. Where did they go? So they're going to move back to the East Coast. Alpha got a job as a teacher, and uh, Rob is working for Bookshop.org that we reference anytime we have a book on the show but uh rob has always been so great and he worked at uh book soup for a long time and so he's always like feeding me books he's feeding my book addiction Ooh, nice. so uh they had a gift card and we went to the iliad bookstore in north hollywood that was right next to their house and it was great it was massive it was just dusty it smelled like books oh yeah it was great like yes did they have a lot of it smells like knowledge history yes like they had everything from like 20 copies of like a james patterson book to yeah. like two very specific like i found some really cool cookbooks like um really like old editions of Bon Appetit. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like they had a lot of really interesting stuff. So I enjoyed just combing their shelves and like enjoying myself. I love looking up cookbooks when I go to bookstores. You what know? is it about walking into a bookstore that like makes know. you feel so safe and at ease? It does. Right? Because like there's a magic like, about you. There's a magic about bookstores. I can't explain it. You feel like Belle. Yes. You feel like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're just ready to go. They also have two shop cats. Oh. So it's cute. Oh, even it's a better. Cute situation. Even okay, the Iliad and yeah. know how. How about you? How about you? Copy how about that. You? Copy that. Okay, so um, some of y'all may already know about this place, but I was telling Preska that she would fucking love this place but there is a late ah. night tea house in downtown LA called Tea at Shiloh. <gasps> if you know, you know. Oh shit. Check them out on Instagram but basically what it is is it is a reservation only late night tea house. Stop. And there's no alcohol, there is no food. It is basically a place for people to gather Oof. without the need of any of that. Whoa. So basically what they their philosophy is every single night and day, they have daytime hours as well, guys. But like um, they say you have a different experience every time mm. because of the people that come in Cold during those times. You could choose to socialize quietly. They have art crafts out in case you want to doodle or not socialize. Wow. They have like all these different type of herbal teas that they make themselves. Right. That you can help yourself to. And then they have, basically their calendar has a list of events and workshops that you can attend. What? And it's literally a community space of growth, community, fostering creativity. Right. Without any pressure or expectations. 
that sounds incredible. When are we going? Anyways, Prisca and I signed up for the sound bath, so <laughs> we'll see you there. August 9th. Um, so it was actually kind of wild because I went like last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. My first, I just went by myself and I, I went for a contemporary Chinese music night. And I was like, oh, this sounds great because yeah. I love Guzi and I love Pipa, right? And then I went in and then like I looked up and I saw Li Daiguo, who is my friend from China. What? And he did the music for The Visit, my Shut film. Shut up. And then, um, and you know, I haven't seen him in six years because he lives in Yunnan, right? And then he looked up me and I looked at him like what the <laughs> fuck are you doing here like what the hell oh you know my God. and then he was leaving for China literally the next day what the fuck so it was just so beautiful it was so beautiful we listened to his peepaw music oh. and then he did some like um throat singing with um his cello tantric oh my cello God. and like it held the audience captive the whole night and Holy it was just like shit. so beautiful you could nap there you could sketch <gasps> no like you just lay on the floor with people you Tia know Shiloh bringing people together but also giving a space for introverts to thrive i love that because That's i hate talking <laughs> which is why i have a which podcast is why we have a podcast yes and yeah. then my second pick real quick is um so i, I i'm i'm really into tin fish nowadays okay. like i'm going deep diving into spain portugal uh -huh. tin fish, i mean when we were at clams. sheldon's party that is all we literally cordoned I, off half the kitchen i ate like all the tin yeah fish. like 12 tins of fish like seafood 12 yeah. tins of seafood yeah 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 and yeah. then we had a spaniard come and yeah. like you know to taught us about conservas. yes yeah. yes yes we were <laughs> and, like oh uh, but basically i heard about this place from may on tiktok i think um her username is cook with me or life with me but rainbows tomatoes garden is the largest collection of tin fish in the world seafood tin seafood what in the world it's in LA? No, it's not. It's oh. in Philadelphia. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But whoa. the thing is, is that like you go on their website and literally Dan, they, they don't, they're sustainable. They don't use any, like yeah. it's so personal, like yeah. how they talked and they're really passionate about tin seafood. Oh. So Dan already curated sort of like this response. You know, we have a t like an email chain going about like, well, how you, how did you discover tin seafood? Oh and my like, gosh. you know, and they have like this whole website about like how to make or conserve us, how to prepare it. And like, it's Shut literally up. like for, for food fanatics and I recently ordered just today uh -oh. a box of like uh -oh. 15 tins <laughs> from all around the world so I'll keep you all posted but there's like snow crab you know there's like all these different varieties that you can get and they're so knowledgeable pairings you can do so instead of charcuterie you could just do a tin I'm fish board coming to your house girl wait till I'm never I leaving I'm gonna share you this website you will lose your shit I'm never leaving you will your house. lose your shit anyways very excited okay, to check them out that's amazing yeah. Uh, Rainbow Tomatoes Garden. Yeah. Let's go. RTG. RTG. But don't let it. <laughs> DJC. Don't, don't let DJC. Don't DJC me. Don't DJC me. <laughs> don't you dare DJC me. Don't you dare. Me. <laughs> Did you cook? We're going to make this a thing. We're going to make it a thing. Don't you cook? We're going to make this a thing. We're going to bring it back. Stop trying. Dictate, judge, or criticize. Stop trying to make it work. Stop trying to make DJC. You were, you were, you were the one who. I know. It's just like throwing it back, mean girls. Throwing back. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we love you guys, goatees. So much so. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. If you want to support us, you can head to twoornergoats.com and hit that donate button. Donate. It will take you to our little PayPal moment. Uh -huh. We will spend it wisely. Yeah, we will spend it on tips. <laughs> we are deeply in the red for this yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna have an upcoming episode yeah. about finances. Finance. 
We're going to talk about that. But until then, have a horny week. Our lovely goatees. And remember, stay horny. podcast is hosted by Roxy and Friska. Music by Abraham Kim. Artwork by Connie Yen. Please visit us at twohornygoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us? <laughs> Email us at hello at twohornygoats.com. Okay, bye! bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh.